Turn in your Bible to the book of Philippians, and while you're turning there, um, we're going to continue. In fact, this is our second to last Sunday where we're going to be focusing on raising the bar. Everyone say raising the bar. It's a church-wide campaign. Now, here's what we're endeavoring to do, and it begins with us. A church-wide commitment campaign. Whoa, <laughs> here we go. A church-wide commitment campaign. <laughs> You went a little fast on me. Go back there. I wanted to read that. There we go. Uh, to transform the culture of our church family. Listen, there's a, there's an unhealthy culture that has, uh, in, ingrained itself in our nation and it has bled off into the church and we need to raise the bar. Look at your neighbor. Say we need to raise the bar. We really do. And here's that next slide. Thank you so much, Felicia. I'm sorry. The next slide, uh, the, how we're going to accomplish that is we're going to raise the bar of our personal commitment to Christ. How many of you know we need, to be, we need to be more committed to Him today than ever before? And that begins with me. I want you to know that my heart and my desire is to be more committed to Christ and more, more faithful, more devoted to Him day by day. And then the second thing, of course, follows along, committed to His purposes. His plan, His will to be unfolded in not only my life, but in the church and around the world. And then thirdly, our church family. We need to be more committed to one another. We're going to talk about that in just a few moments. But that's the kind of the threefold focus. And we've encouraged you to make some commitments to Christ and raise the bar. You see, anytime you make a commitment, you're raising the bar. Everyone say raise the bar. In other words, I'm not dumbing down my life spiritually. I'm raising the bar. Listen, when you read the red, and how many of you know we're, we're uh, one of our commitments is to read through the New Testament in seven weeks. Uh, you've got, uh, we'll give you two more weeks, okay? Uh, and so you've got seven, you've had seven weeks. I'll give you two more. I, I'm behind a little bit. I'm going to have to read a lot, which I've been, been enjoying, but I'm going to finish reading through the New Testament. And when you read the red, how many of you know the reds, the words of Jesus? We find Jesus is not dumbing down what it takes to be a Christian. He's raising the bar. Everywhere we turn, he's raising the bar. Everyone say raising the bar. And I came to help you do that. I came to encourage you. And as your pastor, I've been challenged to raise the bar in my own life. Now this morning, I want to talk to you about an important part of what it means to raise the bar. We're going to talk to, to you from Philippians about some special insights about raising the bar of righteous relationships. Everyone say righteous relationships. Now, listen, when you look at, we've been in Philippians a couple of Sundays now, and there's a lot there. Uh, I just want to look at it from the angle uh, of a relationship and how we're going to, how we need one another and we need right relationships in our life. And so if you're in Philippians, if you're in Philippians, say, I'm there, pastor. I'm going to read some passages of scripture and you'll find in Philippians, uh, hey, listen, it's just jam packed with raising the bar inside. In fact, all the word of God is. But I want to read you the first 11 verses of Philippians. And, and I want you to see the relational connection Paul is making with this church in Philippi. Now, you know the story. It's really a thank you letter. He's thanking the church in Philippi for their generosity. In fact, when you read through the book, you'll discover uh, that no one else uh, uh, sent him gifts. No one else was supplying his need. And he blessed them. And he encouraged them. And he thanked them. It's really a thank you letter. But this thank you letter is chock full. Everyone say chock full. 
It's chock full of revelation about how we can raise the bar in our own life. And so uh, we're going to talk about relationship this morning because the church is one big, uh, bold uh, 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 gathering of people that should should righteously relate rightly to one another. So here we go. Paul and, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he jumps right in. Here we go. Catch it. We're talking about relationships. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, <clears throat> always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel. Somebody say fellowship. From the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing that he has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think of this, uh, to think this of you all be because I have you in my heart. Everyone say, I have you in my heart. He said, I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you. Catch it. All with the affection of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in all knowledge and in all discernment. How many of you know he's not talking about just love for God, but love for one another? He's, he, he's gushing. Did you know, have you ever had anybody gush over you? Beverly and I were in uh, uh, Covenant Church last night in Dallas where Nathan uh, serves on the worship team. And uh, they cut a live album, a live worship album last night. Uh, and uh, oh my goodness. Uh, number one, Beverly and I are sitting about a third of the way back. And, and, and buddy, the bass... Boom, boom, so loud my britches were vibrating. I'm telling you, it was, it was an experience, but it was awesome. And, uh, man, the light display, just full, full bore. And our son, uh, is on the worship team there. And actually one or two of his songs will be on the album, uh, that he wrote that they produced together. And I'm telling you, it was first class. And let me just throw out Nathan's song was the best one. In fact, they came back and did some reprises. They had to recut a couple of songs. Uh, and so they, they just, they said, you can go, but we've got to redo two songs. And so everybody stayed. And so they redid this, the two songs. And then Nathan's song was the third in the list. And so it was so electric in the room after the replay, if you will, of the two, they kicked into Nathan's song again. And I'm just telling you, the whole place went what, Beverly? Berserk. <laughs> and it was awesome. Uh, and even while I'm down, I'll take up a funny story. We may never get out here. I was, you know, there's cameras and everything. And, and they, and so I walked down the center aisle. I was videoing my son up close and some usher tried to move me. And I felt like I was, you know, in the way. And a big old guy who's Nathan's friend who used to work on the power team. He's a big guy. He turned around. The usher said, he can do whatever he wants. That's Nathan's dad. <laughs> I went, yeah. But let me tell you, uh, when, uh, after it was over and all people, friend, people I don't even know, uh, they were coming and they were telling us how much they appreciated our son and how much, and we felt so loved. We felt so blessed. We just felt like uh, people loved us and man, and like love him. And I felt relationally connected, uh, and it just feels good to be beloved. Amen. And we need one another. Everybody say we need one another. Yeah. 
And so we need righteous relationships. And so as I was reading through this, Paul said, he said, uh, uh, I, he said, I pray that your love may abound still more and more in all knowledge and discernment and that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Jesus Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So, so we're going to jump into Philippians here in a moment and I, and I'm going to show you a lot of relational strengths that I see through this that'll help us build righteous relationships. I heard something on the radio coming home last night and it, and it was, I, I can't remember who quoted this, but they said, uh, let me tell you the three most, uh, searched words, late night words searched on Google at night in the late night hours, the three most common Words that were searched, that there was a word searched for. You want to know what they are? Now, one of them you're going to, the first one, porn. The second one, lonely. The third one, suicide. That's the three most searched words on Google late night. They, they, that's the top three. Now, what does that tell you? There's a relationship vacuum. When you're searching out porn, it's not just cause, uh, you, you, you got lust in your heart. Ultimately, there's a relationship issue. And when you're searching out lonely, we know that's the case. And when you search out suicide, we know that you're not finding the answers. That there's a relationship void in the earth. That's what's the concern. Uh, and that's the reality, not only in the world, but in the church today. And so with that in mind, I want to give you, when we read through this Philippians and we look into here, I want you to begin to embrace some thoughts. And from Philippians 1, 1 through 11, I want to give you two introductory thoughts today. And here they are. The, a little insight to, to this overall thought. The first one is this. We see this in this letter of Thanksgiving. The first and foremost thing Paul's heart uh, was, concerning this church was for relational growth and health of the family of faith in the church. That was his first thought. After he got through the little introductory grace to you and peace, man, he started built, he started hammering them about relationship. And then he says, I pray your love would abound more and more. And, and, and so we see here that Paul's desire and his first thought was we need to make sure that our relational connection together and with one another is strong and healthy. And what's he saying? We need to raise the bar of relationship and with one another and with God. That's why he said, I pray that your love would abound still more and more. In fact, look in Philippians uh, 2, chapter 1, uh, pardon me, uh, verse 1, Philippians 2, 1 and 2. Look what he says here. He says this, Therefore, if, it, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy. Now, see, catch this. Here's what Paul's saying. You just make me really happy. You make me really fulfilled. Here's what I want you to do. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. What's he saying? You just get me really happy. If you want to know what makes me happy is if you folks really just get in sync with one another and you raise the bar of relationship with one another. Hey, listen, we need one another. Turn around and tell four people, we need each other. You do realize that, don't you? Tell, tell somebody, we need each other. 
And so that's the first thing you see him doing with this church that he's commending for their generosity. Uh, he's, he's saying, hey, let's raise the bar of righteous relationship. And then the second thing I see, and we'll hit it a couple of times, is that raising the bar of righteous, righteous relationships go hand in hand with raising the bar of our spiritual health and wholeness. Look what he says here. Look down in the last part of what I just read. I'm going to say this again. Relational health goes hand in hand with spiritual health. Spiritual health goes hand in hand with relational health. You can't have one without the other. In fact, if you get off in a corner and stay by yourself and think you're real spiritual and read the Bible all the time and don't interact with the body of Christ, you're not healthy, you're sick. And on the other hand, if you come to church just to hang out and find friends and enjoy having a good time together and go and eat pizza after church and never grow spiritually and you don't listen to the pastor and you don't really follow after Christ, but it's just your social connection with the world. Let me just tell you, you're really sick. <laughs> we need, and so we see relational health. And spiritual health go hand in hand. Look what he says. He says, I pray that your love may abound. Verse 9, still more and more in all knowledge and discernment. And then he jumps right in. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Jesus Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. So, so true. We need each other not just not to be lonely. We need each other to grow spiritually. In fact, Beverly and I ha are hanging out with some dear lifelong friends and we don't do this just because we're just such good friends. We do this beyond good friendships because it's spiritually healthy for us. We were with the Canatchers. I'll help you out by the way. Poor, poor Dan, uh, uh, poor Ross. He didn't know that he tried. Hey, you're not the only one. Every, his Canatcher. Everyone say Canatcher. So when they do come, just say, hello, Pastor Sonny. Canatcher. Everybody say Canatcher. So you know, it happens everywhere, all over the world. People, in fact, we were doing a conference somewhere, and he was Pastor Sonny S U. It is a big, big, bold. Uh, it was in, it was in Pakistan. This banner that is long as this church. Welcome, Pastor Sonny S U N N Y, canister, and it's spelled with two N's, like he was a canister. And then I was, I was Pastop Sam. Everybody say hello, Pastop. That's funny. I may never get through this. I don't know where those things just pop up in my head. But oh, I know we were hanging, hanging around with the Canatchers, the Shibleys. I'm talking about world changes. I'm talking people make a huge difference in your life. And then, uh, first of December, we're going to hang out with the Millers from Texarkana, the Canatchers, the Shibleys, the Hammonds. These are our friends that help us be, be who we are. These are our friends that help us be more spiritual. You can't have one without the other. Are you with me? And so we need the body of Christ. That's what church is all about. You know, I'm, I'm pondering some things right now. I won't get into them, but you know, Jesus' last words, the great commission, go into the, all the world, make disciples. Everyone say disciples. He said, preach the gospel and make disciples. I think, I think the church gets a little too far out of bounds sometimes. I think our real purpose just needs to keep being preach the gospel and make disciples, right, Michael? We just need to preach. Everyone say preach the gospel and make disciples. And so that requires us to relate to one another. Discipleship is is a is a group of of folks gathering together and growing spiritually to reach the world for Jesus Christ. Amen. So, 
with that in mind, uh, let's jump into, into the book of Philippians. Now, as I look through this, through this lens of relationship, let me just teach you something. When you, if you will just, if you, if you want to know something about God, if you want, if you're, what does God say about something? Read the scripture with that question in mind. You, and you'll find so many different things. You can read through the book of Philippians uh, about giving and you'll, things will pop up. You can read the book of Philippians with the thought of what, what does this saying about relationships and things will pop up. You'll read through, you can read through the gospel and, and just, you'll, you just, if you're concerned about something, read through these things with that lens and see what God might say to you. And so we're going to look at the book of Philippians through the lens of righteous relationships and things just start popping up. And so I want to share with you four thoughts and then I'm going to give you some, some, some shotgun blasts of ideas to help you build relationships that are righteous and last for the long haul. But here it is. Paul's letter of thanksgiving to these Philippians, uh, he firmly establishes some things. And let me give them to you. Number one, he firmly Firmly establish the vision for right relationships or righteous relationships. Look in verse 5 of chapter 1. Let me show you a word. He said, verse 3, I thank God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all, with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Everyone say fellowship. He's not talking about fried chicken right there. He's not talking about a, a, a meal together, even though that's part of fellowship. This word fellowship is where we get, is the Greek word koinonia. Everyone say koinonia. It's where we get the root, the, the word communion. When you read the word communion in New Testament, it's mo most of the time koinonia. It's a common ground sharing. It's a commonality of relations. We, we have communion. How many of you know communion is much more than slap on the back, eating fried chicken and going to the house? Communion has a depth and a, and a width and a breadth that just that what we think of fellowship means. We're going, we got church fellowship. How many of you are coming to the church fellowship? You see, you, you see that word, it's more than that word. How many of you are going to come to the fellowship? We got a fellowship at our house. Y'all coming to the fellowship? That's not this word. So when you read this word, it's, it's, everyone say it's deeper. Everyone say it's higher. It's broader. It's communion. Now, how many of you guys, when you commune with your wife, it's not watching blood sport on TV? Is that a, yeah, that's a, you don't want to do that with you. No, that, that's shallow. That's, that's just flat out wrong, isn't it, Mike? It's not, you don't do, that's not communion. This word is deeper and wider. And what we see Paul doing here, he's, he's establishing the vision and the core understanding and the commonality of our relationship with one another. He said it's the communion that we have in the gospel. From the first day until now, listen, if you want to develop right relationships, it's got to be uh, a in the church, righteous relationship. The core of who we are and why we are who we are is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ that he died for our sins, that he was buried in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, it's come on now, three days, y'all with me, three days, I'm talking about the gospel here. Y'all look like you've been baptized in 
Pickle juice, come on. We're talking about the good news. He said our fellowship ought to be the core of who we are and how we relate to you is based upon what Jesus did for us on Calvary's cross. We're children of the Father. We've been born again, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. He said, whoo, man, that's who we are. And he established and cast the vision of righteous relationships. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're born again here in this house because of what Jesus did for you on the cross, I want you to say glory be to God. Now, I want to tell you, that's the core of who we are. That's the gospel. Sadly, most people's fellowship is not around the core foundation of what Christ has done for us. And so we cast the vision. That we are related to, to one another because of what Christ did for us. And you don't need to go there. But if you remember 1 Corinthians chapter 12, what's 1 Corinthians 12 about? Well, let's fast forward. Anybody remember what 1 Corinthians 13 is all about? It's the love chapter. If you back up one chapter, 12, it's about the body of Christ. And he gives this wonderful, glorious, Paul gives this wonderful, glorious illustration of who we are. And he says, Christ is the what? Come on, y'all can talk out loud when I ask. Christ is the head of the body. And we are the body of Christ. It means we're connected and we're relate and we commune with one another as the body. And in fact, he said the head can't, or the hand can't say to the eye, I have no need of you. And although you need to read that, that's Paul's descriptive of who we are. And he casts the vision of righteous relationship. And in fact, it says the weak parts are actually the most important parts. And he makes us all realize that we're an important part of the body of Christ and we need one another. Without one another, we are sick and we will die. Amen. He casts the vision of right relationships. He firmly establishes that by just using the word koinonia, your fellowship. He said, I'm, not, I'm, I'm praying for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. He, he's excited about the reality that when they got born again and when the church was birthed, there was a depth of fellowship. There was a breadth of communion. There was a height of communion. And I love to get in that kind of fellowship of the saints where, where man, where life is good and people love me and I love them. And we rejoice around the communion table of the Lord and just commune together and commune with Christ. Amen. Whew, we need that. Number two, Paul establishes in this book, this little letter, this love letter, if you will, this thank you love letter to the Philippian church. He not only establishes and casts the vision of righteous relationships, but number two, he establishes the value of righteous relationships. Could I say most people don't value things until they realize they've missed it. And Paul, right up front, begins to express the great value of this relationship he has with these people. Look in verse 3. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Man, what do you see? He knows these people are important. He loves these people. He values these people. Look in verse 8. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Oh, when's the last, oh, when's the last time you woke up on Sunday morning and instead of saying, good Lord, it's morning, you said, good morning, Lord. And you got up and you went, oh, I can't wait to get to church. 
I can't wait to see my pastor and love my pastor and all the family of the saints. I long for them with all the affection and love that I have that God has given me. I just can't wait to get to church. When's the last time you gushed over your church family? The reality is, most of us, it comes up in some secular conversation with, well, I go to church no more. We, we, we belong to church. I'm getting, I'm getting all up in your business this morning. And Paul's gushing. He values. You. Hey, you know why the house isn't full? Because there's not a value in people's minds about being here. Am I honest? You know why? Let me just say, this is where we need to raise the bar. You know why that the average attendance of a faithful church member is less than 50% throughout the year? You know why? A lack of value. We value other things more than we value the fellowship of the saints. Right? And so, Paul coming, he said, man, I just, I just, man, I can't wait. I long for you guys. In fact, he gives two great illustrations and, 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 and he get, and I won't read them, but you can read Philippians 2, 19 and 20 and then 25 through 30. He talks about two guys, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And man, he's gushing over these guys. He's telling you about how awesome they are, how great they are, how faithful they are. How, in fact, he says about Timothy, ain't nobody like Timothy. I, you can't find anybody like Timothy. This guy's awesome. He's, he, he's bad to the bone. That's what I was talking about. I don't know if I ever got the point. We got done with church uh, Friday night and everybody was gushing over my son and their love for my son. I'm going, whoo, they love my son. They People I don't even know. Some big tall guy said, is that your son? I said, yes, that's my son. He said, we love your son. You did a good job with your son. He's a great young man. We just love him so much. I said, well, thank you. Very, th- I said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. They're gushing over him. They loved him and they love one another and they loved us. Man, I'm telling you, when's the last time you fell in love with your church family and just went, oh, I love my church family so much. Hey, the value thereof. In fact, he says in chapter 2, verse 29, concerning Epaphroditus, he said, we need to hold such men in high esteem. Everyone say high esteem. That means to have high, great value for. He said, that's, that's how we, hey, he said, relationally, you need to look at these guys, Timothy and Epaphroditus, and model yourself after them and follow in their footsteps. These guys love you. They love God. They love one another. They love the fa- they're faithful to God. They're faithful to the church. And you need to hold these guys in high esteem. What's he teaching us? The value of righteous relationship. Amen. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, he, he, he just don't quit. He says this, Therefore, my beloved and long for brethren. Everyone say long for brethren. Man, we might get out brother, but not long for brother. When's the last time you, you greeted? Man, I've just been longing to see you. My longed for brethren. My joy and my crown. What's he saying? I value you. You are important to me. And so he firmly establishes in this letter not only the vision for righteous relationship, but the great value. 
that we have for one another. In fact, when he talked about Epaphroditus, he said, this guy, he came, he served me, he served you. He's just awesome. He's off the chain. That's my modern day terminology for a really great guy in the church. He's just amazing. In fact, you need to know this about your friend Epaphroditus. He almost died physically. He got sick and almost died while he was serving and sacrificing his life for the sake of you. He's valued. Paul said this about Mark. He had a contention about Mark earlier, but later in his life, when he was in Timothy, he said, bring, bring Mark. I think is what he said. He's valuable to me in ministry. You see, let me just tell you something. I may not get through this message, but if you get this, and we'll walk away going, hmm, better thing than that. The enemy is trying to undermine the value of relationships to you day in, day out. Because you know what he wants you to be? He wants you to be one of those late night Google searchers. He's trying to figure out how to get the lonely bug off his back. But we need to be spending our time doing valuing what the enemy is devaluing. Why are there less than 50% of church folk in church on any given Sunday? The enemy has, has, has got into the culture of our community and there's 101 things more important than church. There's 101 things more important than the family of faith. There's 101 things that, that we tend to love more than we love our church family. Are you with me? And what he really wants, here's, here's what he really likes. This happens all the time. I see this all the time. Uh, we, let me just say this. How many of you know your families all have issues? Let me just say, how many of you, you could put names to some of those issues in your family? Did you know every church has issues? And here's how it works. We go to church and then, and we love it. And we tell everybody, Ooh, I'm going to a new church. And then about after a while, we run into the issues. And here's what immature people do. They go to another church because they don't want to deal with the issue. But what they don't realize, the issue's hanging on to them. They're really the issue. And they take their issue somewhere else and they go church shopping because they don't value people enough to move past the issues and begin to realize we all got issues for goodness sake. There's a better church down the street, but I guarantee you, once you peel back a few layers, they all got issues. You know why they all got issues? Because they're full of people. I had a preacher friend of mine tell me this, man, this pastoring thing would be awesome. If it wasn't for all these people. (laughs) I run with people more important than me. There's two reasons for that. It makes me look good. But number two, they challenge me to be better. Listen, my friend David Shibley is known around the world. You know, he's 
good friends with people, if I started calling names, you'd go, I mean, he, he knows people. But he, he loves me and wants to be my friend. And we go hang out and we have little mini vacations together and we just have a blast together. And, and you know what he does to, you know what he does? Now he's written many, many books. You know, he read my, he read my little simple book. He sent me a text that said, Sam, I'm just loving your book. It's a great book. You know what he was doing? He was valued. Because friendships are valued. Righteous relationships are priceless. Paul establishes the vision of righteous relationships and establishes the value of righteous relationships. And in fact, uh, he told his son in the faith, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 2.22, he connects these two. He says this, uh, uh, he says, Timothy, flee youthful lust and pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on God from a pure heart. What's he saying? Man, if you want to be righteous and holy, you can flee this and run with those who will help you be strong in the Lord. That's valuable, my friend. Then number three, he establishes the virtue, and we'll hit this quickly, the virtue of righteous relationships. How, how the two go hand in hand. Righteous, healthy relationships and, and, and spiritual health go hand in hand. There's great virtue found in, and the righteous relationships that you have with others. You, others will make you sharper and stronger and more spiritual. If you'll run with that crew, just like I said in 2 Timothy 2.22, flee youthful lust and pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on God from a pure heart. Get it? Hey, if you're, if you're hanging around the turkeys, how on earth are you ever going to soar with the eagles, for goodness sake? And there's virtue in righteous relationships. And let me just say, some of you have got relate. Listen, we're, we should be friendly with everybody. Right? How many of you know church folk ought not be ugly? I said church folk ought not be ugly. I'm not talking about your facial look. I'm talking about the demeanor of your life. I think all church folk are beautiful. But church folk ought not be ugly and have a snotty nose and an ugly, ugly countenance about people who hurt, hurt them and done them bad and in the world or out of the world. We should love everybody. We should be, but let me tell you something. We don't fellowship with everybody. In fact, the scripture warns about being, uh, fellowshipping with those who, whose influence will influence you and you will lose the cutting edge and you will not raise the bar in your spiritual life, but you will lower the bar in your spiritual life. And some of us in this room, you've been hanging around folk that have lowered, bona fide, go ahead, let me tell it to you, lowered the bar in your life because they're down in the basement digging holes. They're, they're going here and going there and they have no concern about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Say amen. There's great virtue in righteous relationships. How we keep each other accountable. And holy, and we, 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 we run together and we stand together and we strengthen one another. There's great virtue. Then number four, Paul talks about and he establishes concerning righteous relationship, the vocation of righteous relationships. In other words, it's who we are, it's what we do. And I mentioned a, Epaphroditus. I want you to look 
what he says about Epaphroditus in verse 25. He said, yes, yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Catch, look what he, he, he gives him three descriptives. O-M-G. Listen up. He said, my brother. Everyone say my brother. Now that's a relationship. That's my brother right there. Whew. I've got people in my life and that I know if I was in trouble, they'd travel, they'd, they'd get on the plane and go around the world to take care of me because I'm their what? Other. I've got people around the world who are my, they're my brother. How many of you got some people in your life, sisters, brothers, they just go, they got my back. When I'm down, they're there. When I'm up, they're there. They're not fair weather friends there. Through it all kind of people. He's my brother, man. We're, blo- we're, we're brothers. We're bros. He said, Epaphroditus is my brother. He, what's he saying? This is who we are. We live together. We love together. It's what we do. It's who we are. It's our vocation. Then he said, he's my fellow worker. Not just a worker, but my fellow worker. We're in this together. We're companions in ministry. I'm not the big I and he's the little you. We're in this together. Somebody say, we're in this together. He said, he's my brother. He's my fellow worker. We live together. We work together. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is our vocation. Then he says, and I love this, and I think this has a progression to it. Uh, he's my brother. He's my fellow worker. And then he says, he's my fellow soldier. We live together and we war together. We fight for one another. I have a friend by the name of Eddie Mitchell, Pastor Eddie Mitchell. He pastors a church in Montgomery, Alabama, a long-term friend, Vietnam vet. I'm telling you, one time we were in Africa together. He's preaching along trying to tell how when in Vietnam a bomb exploded or a hand grenade exploded and a piece of the hand grenade hit him in the head and it embedded into his head under his scalp somewhere. And it was a little... uh, And so rather than take it out, they left it in there. And he's trying to tell through an interpreter that he had shrapnel in his head from the bomb that went off in Vietnam. And the interpretation came and says, and I have a bomb in my head. Everybody went, ooh. But Eddie Mitchell has a phrase, and I'll use it here. He said, we're foxhole buddies. We get down in a foxhole with one another. And Hey, let me tell you something. When you get down in the foxhole with somebody and bullets are flying and wars going on, you don't want to know whether they talk in tongues or not. You don't want to know whether they're Baptist, Methodist or what. You don't want to know. You just need somebody who's got your back. And he says, this guy's got my back. He, we're, hey, we're not only brothers. We work together. We serve together. We do this together. And we fight together. This is who, he's my fellow soldier. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is the vocation of our life. This little simple thank you letter. establishes the vision of righteous relationships and how we need to raise the bar. Let let the love of God abound still more and more. It establishes the value 
of the family of faith and brothers and fellow workers and fellow soldiers. It reveals the virtue of righteous relationships in the fact that when we build righteous relationships around the core commonality of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, it produces within us a spiritual health as well. This little love letter and thanksgiving to the church in Philippi establishes the reality that this righteous relationship ought to be the vocation of our life. Whether we're retired or own our own company, our real vocation should be the righteous relationship of the family of faith that is linked together for the purpose of the Great Commission. Making disciples. With that in mind, I've got more to say, but I think I'm good. With that in mind today, as we come to the close of this service, our goal has been to raise the bar in every area of our life. Raise the bar of our influence in the earth. Raise the bar uh, of our spiritual uh depth and breadth and raise the bar of our relationship not only with God but with one another and value the local church as more precious than God we somehow come to a place that we wake up not only on Sunday but every day and embrace the family of faith I'll finish with one little thought. When you get to the end of this letter, Paul says something that sounds so benign and so simple. He said, greet this man, this woman. He names names. Would you greet them for me? The word greet means to embrace and hold dear. He said, you're my longed for brother. I wish I could be there to do it. But would you just do this for me? This past week, not a close friend, but a friend by the name of Mike Hagan. Mike Hagan was here years ago before this was a sanctuary. It was just a warehouse. And we put up a big truck bed here. And he and his strength team did feats of strength. Fire and smoke and people got saved. He went into the hospital last week he had some heart issues in the past and they put stents in his heart. Routine surgery to replace a stent that they said would wear out in seven years. So in five years, they go in and just replace it very routine. And as the medicine was slipping into his veins and he looked at his beautiful wife and said, I love you, I'll see you in a few. He slipped into the under the influence of the anesthetic and the doctors opened him up and the stent was so far gone 
if the doctor said if someone had just bopped him in the chest, he would have died. The doctors looked and they said, there's nothing, you, you can't fix that. They sewed him back up and they went to his little lovely wife and said, your husband has irreparable damage that we cannot fix. And when we take him off this machine, he will die. 54 years old, the epitome of health, muscles. As soon as his son came to say goodbye, they took him off the machine. He slipped into eternity. Why did I tell you that? Sounds like a sad story. He's in heaven today. But you know what Mike was? He was a faithful friend. He valued the church family. He was a fellow worker and a fellow soldier. Epaphroditus, Paul said, he almost lost his life over you. And now that he's gone, his family, his friends all over the nation. I'm, Nathan has a good friend at Covenant who used to work with a big old monster guy. He's the one who said he's Nathan's daddy. Get out of his way. He can do whatever he wants. He's a wounded man because he lost his friend. We don't know how long we have and who we have. And listen, it's important to value people before they're gone. We don't know how long we have. We've got to raise the bar. Love people enough to speak to them and to care for them. And I had a whole lot of words here I was going to shoot at you other than greet, help, serve, receive, share. They're all in the book of Philippians. That's who we are. Let's stand together. And let's find somebody's hand to hold. In fact, cross the aisles. I don't normally do this because people say people come to church and they don't want to hold hands with anybody and I get that. But today's different. Today's different. Now squeeze a little bit so they won't think you're dead. The reality is in this small gathering of the saints, there's huge value. We need one another. We need to raise the bar in who we are and what we do. Not, it's not about you. We learn in circles today. It's not about us. And I know we all have issues. I do too. And we need one another who will look beyond our issues and say, we're family. Father, as we stand together and as we take hands with one another, Lord, open our eyes to the vision of partnership, koinonia. Open our eyes to the value that is in this room. 
open our eyes to the virtue of right relationships. Let us embrace it as our vocation. This is who we are. This is what we do. We're brothers. We're fellow workers. We're fellow soldiers. We lay down our lives for our friends. Let that truth set up residence in our heart. I just sense in my heart right now that someone's having a revelation in their heart. They're having a breakthrough moment. I just pray, Lord God, for each and every one in this room that we would catch the vision, catch the value, catch the virtue, catch the vocation of being a righteous brother, a righteous fellow worker, faithful friend, and fellow soldier in this house. Let us raise the bar of righteous relationships today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give somebody a hug. They need a hug. Hug somebody. Greet one another. Embrace one another. Hug somebody. Amen. I want everybody to say you're important to me. You're valuable. Tell somebody you're valuable, man. I need, we need one another. Amen. Well, God bless you today. Thank you for your patience. Don't forget to raise the bar in every area of your life. This week, here's what I want us all to do, me included. I want us all to reach out beyond the four walls of this church and find somebody that needs Jesus and share the gospel with them. Share with them. I text one of our young uh, people, one of our young adults yesterday who's got some family issues and I encourage them, you go sit down with them and tell them your story. Tell them what Jesus did in your life. Share the gospel. Share the good news. Amen. Hallelujah.